Welcome to a bonus episode of Hip Hop Movie Club. As always, here are your HHNCs. Boogie, JB, and Dino Wright. Now here's a funky introduction of how nice we are. Alright, so in an effort to get to know us a little bit better, I thought it'd be nice to ask a, a question and we can go around and, and give our answers for the HHMCs. So question here is, what are your first memories of hip-hop music or hip-hop culture? So for me, it had to be the early 80s. And I, I would just listen to the radio a lot at nighttime. I grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia and Power 99 would come on at night on the weekends. And, and I would just hear these beats and I was drawn in and I was like, what is this? And, and I remember hearing the, the Roxanne Wars, the Roxanne, Roxanne, Roxanne Chante, educated rapper. And I just thought it was just hilarious. It was funny and creative the way that they would go back and forth and just diss each other and, and all that. The one song that really stuck with me though, and I would just re have it on repeat, and I had a record player, was Jam On It by Nucleus, which came out in 84. So I had that with all the different extended versions and whatnot, and I was hooked uh, from that day forward. And that still remains one of my favorite songs. I think that was way ahead of its time with its uh, celestial type theme. Uh, it was like aliens, there's all types of weird sound effects, and the rapping was good on it. So it just, it just draws me in and it, it's just something that just sticks with me to this day. I just think it's just a creative art form that is, is unparalleled. How about you, Boogie? What do you think your first ever encounters with uh, hip hop music or culture? It's an interesting question because I can't pinpoint an exact moment where I was exposed to hip hop, but I do know where that first encounter, where it happened. So growing up, I was the youngest grandchild um, with my father's side and my mother's side. And my mother's family is from Jersey City. Uh, for those who not who aren't geographically sound where uh, Jersey City is located, it's exactly right across the Hudson River from New York. <laughs> so as New York is jumping off, I have family right across the water who are catching the early waves of it as it crosses into New Jersey. So my older cousins, um, some of them significantly older, you know, three, four, five, you know, six years older than me. Um, whatever they're listening to, I'm going to listen to. I'm the youngest one, so I'm kind of tagging behind them. And I remember, um, I remember hearing Planet Rock. Very good song, um, very catchy. Um, I also remember hearing Rapper's Delight. I remember going through their room and I remember seeing the, the jacket sleeves with the swirly Sugar Hill logo on them. You know, so I, I was very familiar with it and I always loved that logo because it was so colorful and eye-catching. I was grasping the music in as they were playing it and, and it was very interesting and I loved it. But I remember the first song that I actually, that really, really grasped me was Sucker MCs by Run DMC. That's probably the first 
rap that I actually started learning the lyrics to it. And I think what grasped me with Sucker MCs was because the, the Run DMC persona, as they hit the scene, they looked and dressed like people I saw walking up and down the street every day. They had the same look to them, whereas, you know, you look at um, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, you look at um, Africa Mambala and the Zulu Nation, there's these larger than life rock and roll personas. They have these big headdresses, they're leather clad, chains, whips, you know, things going on. And I couldn't relate to that look because I didn't dress like that. But when I see Run DMC and I'm like, oh yeah, they look, they dress like my cousins. <laughs> you know, my cousins had shell toe, had the shell toe Adidas and I, I never, to this day, I've never owned a pair. It's the funniest thing. But I remember seeing them and I was like, I want to be like those guys. So I started imitating Sucker MCs, and then now you know that I caught on to that. And then another rap, the early rap that I learned too was um, Dougie Fresh and Get Fresh Crew Keep Rising to the Top. And I learned the lyrics to that one. I remember writing it down in like second grade, like, oh my God, I gotta get this. And I kept singing it over and over my head, and I literally had a page with the whole lyrics to it. I'm like, I know it, I know it. And then I would list, watch the video and then see if I actually had the words correct. Of course, I had a lot of them wrong, but. Um, so yeah, those are probably like about the earliest memories that I can that I can grasp because there's a whole lot of things muddled around, but those instances are what stand out in my head right now. I know right. Uh, what are your first memories? So the first memory I can think of is it's 1981. I'm six years old, and Apache by the Sugar Hill Gang comes on, like their version of it. And I remember dancing around to it in my living room and I'm six. <laughs> it's just fun, right? It, it, it's, it's great music. And uh, at the same time, my cousin, Adrian, he was older. He was cool. He was into cool music and he was breakdancing. I still remember like he had cardboard in his basement and like his friends and I would be there like at over his house and they'd be, they'd be practicing their moves on this cardboard in their basement. And then on the bus like around that time elementary school around that time middle school the bus driver would play a lot of hip-hop he'd have the top 40 station so i grew up near philadelphia also and there was a station called hot hits 98 and so you had hot hits 98 and you had power 99 and they were both playing a lot of hip-hop and so you hear a lot of run dmc and beastie boys krs1 boogie down productions all that kind of stuff but what really solidified it was a little later, 1990, my friend Joe asked me in the cafeteria I'd watched Yo! the night before. I said, what's Yo? And he's, Yo! MTV Raps. And so I watched it the next time it was on. And that's where I saw the video for I Left My Wallet Nel Segundo by A Tribe Called Quest. And that's what really solidified my actual, like, I'm now a fan of hip hop. It wasn't just sort of something I absorbed from the air. It was like, wow, it was really clever. Maybe we can talk about Tribe Called Quest beats like all night, but that's what really locked it in for me. Like, wow, this is really cool and it's different. And that's that's where I came from, from the hip hop standpoint. Yes. You know what's funny is that exact same song and album was a seminal moment for me as well. Even though I, I knew the early Run, Run DMC stuff, I remember hearing the Fat Boys, again, the Roxanne, Roxanne, Nucleus and all that stuff. When the Beastie Boys came out as well, and I remember they were even on American Bandstand. 
And, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, what is this? And the fight for your right to party. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. And I was like, I was like, these white guys too, like these guys that almost look like me, you know, they can do this stuff. I was like, it's crazy. And they were, um, they even, I think they, they started, they toured with Run DMC, you know, and then they, they had a similar beats style. Yep. And, and, and then, you know, so that was like 86, 87 when License to Ill came out and I wore that cassette out. And, but then, yeah, Yo! MTV Raps comes out uh, on MTV and, and I think it's Wednesdays with Ed Lover and then the Saturdays and I left my wallet in El Segundo by uh, Tribe Called Quest comes on and the lyrics were hilarious. Uh, Q-Tip was just so likable and I would listen to, I would hear these one or two songs on these shows. I would go out and try to buy the, the cassette or, you know, eventually the CD. Or I would go to flea markets and try to find these and get the knockoff versions. Um, but, <laughs> but yes, People's Instinctive Travel and the Paths of Rhythm, the first album or I had on cassette, I could still have it here uh, in 1990 from Tribe Called Quest. It blew me away. It was just so creative. Uh, luck of lucienne and like those beats it was and it was just amazing and i just fell in love with it i remember going on a school trip at that time in middle school and i was playing that on my walkman and i had like the splitter for the earphones and me and my friend kevin we were just like listen to it as we walked the streets i think it was in boston we had a trip and i was just like man this is this is the stuff this is the stuff wow yeah it's uh, cool, man. That's so yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah, I remember. It's, it's like I remember, like you were mentioning Yo MTV Raps. It's funny because being so close to New York City, there was a station like Public Access Channel Thirty One. Like you had to like it was like one of those UHF channels, and there was like a show I used to come on Video Music Box, and like I, I think we've talked about it before. And like Video Music Box, it was so raw. DJ Ralph McDaniels, everybody refers to him now as Uncle Ralph, respectfully, because he he was so seminal in, in bringing a lot of artists to the forefront. And actually, his model is, is kind of what transitioned over to what MTV would create as Joe TV Raps. So like, I remember watching these videos like, early like way early and it was it was they were so raw like somebody like filmed it with like a you know eight millimeter camera sometimes but i remember like all of those old classic hip-hop songs from back in the day and every time a new video came out the next day in school everybody was like yo did you see the new video yo did yep. you see the new video yeah and i remember the very first time i heard heavy d from, mm -hmm. And it was because I was I went over to my my family we went up to Jersey City to visit our family and my cousin my cousin Hillary is like hey he's like y'all y'all know Mr Big Stuff and my sister Lydia and I were like what Mr Big Stuff nah we never heard that so I think she might have recorded the video and she puts the video on and we're looking at it and this guy. We're looking at it, he's so in like heavy D at the time, like he's a big dude, but he's so light on his feet. He's bouncing around and like he's doing the dances with the backup dances and he's on point. And I remember that day like it was yesterday because we were so hooked on that song. And like, I don't even think anybody else that I, we knew had heard that song. So we were like, we came back home, we're like, yo, 
you know Mr. Big stuff? And I'm like, what? Who? What? <laughs> and like we had heard it, like probably hadn't even been out, but like a day or something like that. But um, you know, that 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 video music box was such a great show in that aspect because he he had such a connection with the record producers and the ARs where they would send him videos to play just because of who he was, and they knew that he would put it on and people would watch the show because they respected him and they knew what he was trying to do. Yeah, that's 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 that was one of the you know memories that I always remember too growing up was that show video music box. And then even when even more so when your MTV raps came out, because now I had two shows on and I can watch one and then go right to the other one. It was like, nice. wow, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> I was chewing it up, man. It was great. Those were good times. <laughs> you know what was so much fun about Yo MTV Raps was I felt like I was scouting the talent because they would put this new acts or new to me. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, yep. That's where I discovered mm -hmm. Nice and Smooth and Pete Rock and CL Smooth yeah. and Brand Nubian and Kwame. And, and I remember when Hammer came out and it was Turn This Mother Out. And I was like, oh, I love that beat. And they that, that, he just comes out like a ball of fire in that song. Yeah. And I'm like, I went out and bought that right away, well before uh, You Can't Touch This and before he became super mainstream. And it was like, I had one up on my friends or, or like the subculture, like, hey, I know this act, you know, I heard this, I went out and I bought it. And now I started discovering the other their styles and the different songs. I remember also getting, you know, seeing Too Short and I'm like, I got his tape <laughs> and I didn't realize how vulgar a lot of that stuff was. <laughs> <laughs> When I play that in my room, I made sure to turn the volume down like when my parents would kind of walk by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was fun to, to just kind of discover these guys from those shows. <laughs> that that early show, the video, video... Video music box? Video music box. I swear that would come up super late at night. I remember like a sleepover at, mm -hmm. at, at my friend's house. It would come on 1 or 2 a.m. And I think I remember seeing Jailhouse Rap by Fat Boys because I just remember that scene. It was I think it was maybe filmed in black and white. And I just remember looking at that and cracking up and early run DMC, like, you know, like it's like that. And that's the way it is like before the Raising Hell album. So I remember those vaguely, but like it wasn't until like a little bit later, mid 80s. And then later that I really, you know, got hooked. Yeah. Originally Video Music Box it used to come on originally. It used to come on about like 3.30 or something like that. Yeah. And then I guess money probably was the issue and people you know, pushing them back it started coming on later at night i think even like now it comes it still comes on it comes on like one o'clock in the morning i caught a couple episodes probably over the last couple of weeks i'm like wow this is still on this is crazy <laughs> yeah and you said there was a documentary about it recently yeah yeah and then i saw that yo yeah. mtv raps is back on paramount plus i don't get that but uh that's that's crazy that's cool it's coming back as well. yeah everything's retro man yeah <laughs> everything is retro yeah but it's funny, like I remember you, you you mentioned that having those cassettes. I remember I had a I was fortunate enough to have a double cassette recorder because yeah. I remember um, my parents were like, "Oh, what do you want?" You're like, you want a, "I want a radio," and they were like, uh, "Okay, we could use that." Like, no, I want the one with the two decks on it. <laughs> and, then my, and then I had a friend that lived on a, a couple blocks over. He had a he had one, and then like another friend. So we would all like one person would buy a cassette, and then we would all like kind of dub it off. Oh, that's all have it. That's yeah. good community. I remember dubbing stuff for friends as well. 
You know what was funny too is these mixes would come on or these songs or when when a when a, when a hip hop song would come mainstream, <laughs> as primitive as it was, I you know as we used to do is you hold the record and the pause button. So whenever yep. they start playing a song, release the pause. Yep. Record it. But I would end up making my own remixes in a very primitive way. Like I said, is I would then pause certain parts and then release it when the chorus comes back on or the hook. And and the result was like a lot of repetition of the chorus and like different beats. So what are you? It was weird. <laughs> it, Producer. Yeah, it was like without any of the uh, the turntable and technology and, and just a basic you know radio with the one cassette. Wow. I was able to kind of do that. I remember doing that for some house music too, and like Samantha Fox and all the silly stuff like that. Just like <laughs> doing that, and then I'd play these back, and I'm like, yeah, hey, it's not bad. Some of the stuff was annoying. Some of the stuff was pretty fun. <laughs> Wow. My own remix. Oh. I was it's always the worst when the DJ talks over your song. Like after oh. like a 30 seconds into it, you're like, I finally got it. And then they they start doing their own voiceover and you're like, ah, oh, please, come on now. Yeah. It's even it's funny you say that because the extended mixes of like do what you like by Digital Underground, like they actually like talk about, okay, you can start talking again or yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, at the end of the song, yeah. 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 The, yeah. the section at the end, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had the single for Me, Myself, and I by De La Soul. I oh, wish man. I still had it somewhere. I had a few. Oh, I had a few singles of that nature. Oh man! I wish I still had that one. Yeah, I used to have some singles as well. I, there check, I might have it somewhere still. <laughs> oh man, De La Soul. So when I was in, in elementary school, I had a friend that lived a couple blocks over, and his mother liked liked me so. I could be in the house while she was at home and like vice versa. He could be over my house, you know? So I remember the first time listening to Three Feet High and Rising was at his house. And we put the cassette on and we were immediately mind blown by this album. Like, it was so crazy. Like, I don't know how many times we played this album. Like we played, like, I'm surprised that tape didn't pop. Mm -hmm. We played this album over and over and over and over again. To the point where I could probably like sit and, and like voice over some of the, the skits in between because it was so we played it so many times. But <laughs> uh, it, I think we talked about that before. They they do like a trivia show throughout. Yes. I love that one too. And I have these two good friends I grew up with, Dave and Chris. We used to always do sleepovers at each other's house. We would listen to. Here's what we do: we would listen to these get these cassettes playing, like that one, Slick Rick. And then we'd play like Tecmo football tournaments, just like in the, and just nonstop. <laughs> and we always have these inside jokes as well. Like when we want to bust on each other. And the one comment was there's he's in, in the, one of the game shows on three feet high and rising. <laughs> it was like blood sucking leeches, just like your mama. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and we, would, we would just come out and say that just for the heck of it. Oh, and, and it was like an inside joke between us because again, that wasn't super mainstream. Me, myself, and I hit it big, but Potholes in My Lawn was the first Oof. video I saw from that album. And yeah. that has a sick sample and beat. And it's yes. shot like in black and white. And it's really basic. But I was like, man, these guys are good. Yes. Yeah. That was like really, really, really sharp the way they, they put that together. I mean, they, they sampled Hall and Oates on Say No Go. And uh, that just works. That works so well. Yeah. yeah. I was a big I was a big Hall and Oates fan growing up anyway because my mom yeah. was really big into them. Yeah. So like I had Hall and Oates albums around the house. So when I heard that sample, mm -hmm. I immediately was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's to this day, that's one of my favorites. That's both versions, the Holmes and the, you know, the other soul. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I sit there, I play around with them, I, I'll mix from one to the other and just and go yeah. back and forth and cut it up a little bit. But yeah, that was a great sample right there with them with that one. It's, it's like ear candy. It's like, ding, 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 this is so good. So good. And it's funny. Um, I love that the next generation is seeing a little bit too. Um, at the end of the new Spider-Man movie that just came out um, yes. several months ago, they played three as a magic number at the end. And I remember my son, who's now 17, he looks at me and whatever, and he's showing me these videos of these kids, um, TikTok, whatever, like, what is that song? It slaps so hard. <laughs> like, it, it, it's like it's like when you're emotional after the seeing the movie, and all of a sudden that song comes on, and you're like, "What was that?" And I'm like, "Man, it's Taylor Soul, Taylor Soul." Yeah, man. I almost yeah. fell out when I heard that come on when I was watching. I'm like, "Oh my yeah. god, really?" It was, so, it was, it was so perfect. perfect for the, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's funny because you know a lot of the music that you know the three of us. We're really into in the 80s and stuff that sampled a lot of music that our parents listened to like yeah like my dad had a lot of bob james records and earl clue records and all that kind of stuff that was happening like dave grusin and stuff in the in the late 70s like that was mined a lot for these hip-hop records and yeah it, it's so cyclical because our parents music made its way into the music that we listen to and then now it's happening again your your kids are are listening, to, are hearing songs that we first heard, and now it's like the third generation of it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think hip hop and rap gets a, a bad reputation sometimes because of all the sampling that's done, because they're not playing live music in a lot of cases. But it, like you said, it carries these classics to the next generation. Otherwise, a lot of this. R&B, jazz, blues stuff would kind of like die on the vine. And this stuff's now preserved. You know, you have guys like Q-Tip that is just a connoisseur of those classics. And he would pick like, incredible samples mm -hmm. for his music. So I, I just think it's wonderful that this stuff's carried on. Yeah. Good music is good music. And so yeah, whether it came from jazz or blues or rock and it's remixed in, in hip hop, still good music like look at classical music traditional western classical music it's been around for 400 years it must be okay <laughs> my, my old boss used to say you know it's been around for hundreds of years it's probably pretty good yeah because i love some classical music mm -hmm. i will zone out to classical music in a minute <laughs> yeah i mean looney tunes samples that <laughs> yeah. yeah but um it's funny like i see these these producers and DJs and hip hop artists, almost like mad scientists, they're in a laboratory and they're yeah. like, what, what works together. And we were just talking amongst ourselves about EPMD because it was anniversary of Strictly Business. And I'm a fan of a lot of genres of music. And Steve Miller Band is one of my all time favorites. I just, that's just really chill. I've seen them in concert. Yeah. And on the one song, you know, You're a Customer, he, he seamlessly intertwines Fly Like an Eagle with the Cool and the Gang's Jungle Boogie. And without missing a beat, and it, it just works. And there's so many of those, like, you know, yeah. Tracy Chapman's Fast Car with, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Nice and Smooth. Sometimes I rhyme slow, you know. And yep. I'm like, wow, that was just amazing, that the way they intertwine. It's musical genius. Yeah, it really is. It is. Yeah. And then you got, a, and then you got that whole other faction of beats where they, they, they sample a lot of the JBs and a lot of that. Oh, oh yeah. 
mm-hmm. and a James Brown and, and that whole sub catalog of, of funky beats. They take those break beats and they break them down to like, they put a couple of them together and it's almost unrecognizable sometimes because you'll, you'll hear part of the beat going and you're like, okay, I think I know what that is. But then they have a whole other layer on top of it where it's like, wow, how do they do that? <laughs> yeah. I always wanted to get into production, but I just never had the time because it's such a complex process that I figured if I couldn't really do it well, I wouldn't I wouldn't touch it. And, and like, you know, I was fortunate enough with, you know, some of the music that we've been playing for the podcast to have, you know, those that little small, small catalog of, of beats that I've made, but I always wanted to get, you know, expand upon it, but I just never got around to it because I, my, my head is like all over the place with beats. Like I like literally, you see me walking, I'm walking like I have a beat in my head. <laughs> and like, when you listen to them, I'm like, yeah, I got this beat in my head. <laughs> yeah, I spent a lot of time digging through a lot of crates. Yeah. Just finding little little pieces you put together. And I respect that. Yeah. yeah. it It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, yeah. And to make it good, I mean, we, these are the best of the best, and there has to be a lot more underneath in the pyramid of it. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, good music is good music. <laughs> good music is good music, yeah. <laughs> Hip Hop Movie Club is produced by your HHMCs, JB, Boogie, and Dino Wright. Theme music and all the music in this episode is by Boogie. Special thanks to Susan Berger, Tawanda Edwards, and Allison Yaris. Hit us up at hiphopmovieclub at gmail.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at hiphopmovieclub. You can also check us out at hiphopmovieclub.com. Season 2 of the Hip Hop Movie Club podcast starts next week. Your HHMCs will be breaking down Friday, starring Ice Cube, Chris Tucker, and a seemingly endless array of stars. Join in the fun and watch Friday before the episode drops. We found it on HBO Max, or you can rent it on Amazon Prime Video. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and you won't miss this jam-packed episode. Shout out to you listeners. Thanks for tuning in to this bonus episode of Hip Hop Movie Club. Don't hate, cultivate.